Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash today. Ramp.com slash today. R-A-M-P.com slash today. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Great Unsolved Podcast. My name is Alexis Ruberg, and we are back after about a year hiatus, which is exciting because I didn't realize how much I missed researching this stuff and recording this stuff. Um, I kind of forgot how to do the intros, so... Let me just say we have a Twitter at Great Unsolved. We have an Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod. We have a Facebook group, Facebook page. We have a subreddit, I believe. <laughs> we have a Patreon where I do monthly bonus episodes if you are subscribed to that. And because I am starting up on the podcast again, I will be starting up on the Patreon as well. So all of those links will be in the description of this episode, as well as on each social media page. So let's just get into the case. Today we are looking at the Crystal Rogers case, which took place in 2015 in Bardstown, Kentucky, about 40 miles outside of Louisville, Kentucky. There is a entire podcast dedicated to the Unsolved Crimes in Bardstown, Kentucky. It is just called Bardstown, and it is a great podcast. If you really want to look in-depth at all these cases, I would suggest going there. Today, we are focusing on the Crystal Rogers case with a little mention of the Jason Ellis case, the Tommy Ballard case, and the Samantha and Kathy Netherland case. But the Bardstown podcast goes in-depth on all of these unsolved homicides slash missing persons. So let me say that all the timeline and descriptions are fact-based on what police have said and what is written in different news articles. Opinions are my own and are only speculative. People are only suspects. No one has been found guilty in any of these crimes yet. And I will mention that again when we get to the theories. So Crystal Rogers was a blonde, blue-eyed, 5'9", 155-pound white female 
She was 35 years old at the time she went missing in 2015. So that means she would be 42 now. She had tattoos on the center of her back, her lower back, her ankle, and her left foot. She was a mother of five, one child with the boyfriend that she was with at the time of her disappearance, Brooks Hauk, if I'm pronouncing that last name right. And she went missing from Bardstown, Kentucky, 40 miles outside of Louisville on July 3rd, 2015. But let's look at the other three cases pretty quickly before we jump into Crystal Rogers' timeline. So on November 19th, 2016, a little after a year of Crystal being missing, her father, Tommy Ballard, the spearheader of her search, was shot and killed while hunting on his land with his grandson, who happened to be Crystal's son. So on the family property, him and the 12-year-old grandson were getting ready to go hunting. It was pretty dark outside because they were going early. If you've been hunting, you know you generally start when it is still dark outside. And this family property lined up to the Bluegrass Parkway, where the suspected killer pulled over to a previously cleared out space in the trees, fired one shot, hit Tommy in the chest, killed him, and made a quick getaway. So it's said when they started walking towards this area, the grandson noticed his grandpa notice a movement in the trees. It's said that Tommy put his arm out to stop the grandson, got his gun up to look through the scope, and was shot at that point. But it seems he saw someone move in the trees from where he was shot. The branches where this little clearing is looked as if they were newly sawed, and there was actually a clear kickback mark on a tree that would have had the perfect angle to shoot at Tommy where he was eventually shot. Tommy's son, who was the first one to the scene on that day because he was hunting with his son in a different part of the property, he stated that before that day, that little clearing was full of trees. You couldn't really see the bluegrass parkway behind it, but now when you look at it, you can clearly see the road behind it because the trees were cleared out. It's fairly obvious. This would be a perfect spot for someone who had it out for Tommy to shoot him from because they could have pulled their car over and jumped out, shot Tommy, jumped back in, made a quick getaway, or had somebody else pick them up on that busy road. So now let's jump back to May 25th of 2013 in Bardstown, Kentucky. Police officer Jason Ellis was killed. It is said some places he was on duty, but it seems like he had just done his call-in, or signed off, that's what it's called, I think. He had just signed off, and he was on his way home. He turned off of Bluegrass Parkway on exit 34 and saw that there were branches blocking the road. So he got out to move the debris, and he was shot several times and killed. It is thought that whoever killed him was on a hill when they shot him. 
He was said to be an all-around great police officer, and that's probably why he stopped to move the branches, because he was just trying to help other people out. It is kind of obvious to me that both Crystal and Tommy's cases are connected. Jason Ellis's could be, and here's kind of an overview of why. So Nick, the brother of Brooks, who was Crystal's boyfriend at the time of her disappearance, and you'll find out that he was the main suspect in the case, was also part of the Bardstown Police Department. Someone anonymously posted this piece on Reddit saying they know too much. This is not my views or facts that I know of, but here is what the Reddit post says. Quote, the FBI was slash is investigating the Bardstown and Nelson County Police Departments for corruption. Other police departments across the state don't want to work with them because the corruption is so bad. I don't know if or who else was or is involved, but former Bardstown police officer Nick Houck is bringing drugs into Bardstown and the surrounding area for a major drug organization. I don't know who. I do know Officer Jason Ellis was investigating Nick and was murdered when he got too close. Officer Ellis was shot and killed at the exit off of the Bluegrass Parkway near Bardstown. He was shot from in front by someone he knew, a fellow police officer, Nick Houck. Nick's family's farm is less than a mile from the off-ramp Officer Ellis was shot at. He escaped on foot, which is why the roadblocks didn't stop him. Two years later, Nick and his brother Brooks, who was also in on the drug smuggling, killed Brooks' then-girlfriend Crystal Rogers, who had uncovered information on the drugs and the murder of Officer Jason Ellis. She confided in a friend that if she were to ever go missing or turn up dead, that she had a manila envelope with evidence against Brooks. The envelope has never been found. Where Crystal's body or remains are is still unknown except to those who murdered her. Until the body is found, Nick and Brooks will likely never be charged with her murder or any others they've committed. A year later, Tommy Ballard, Crystal's father, who had been at the forefront of the search for Crystal, and the investigation into her disappearance was shot and killed near his son's house while hunting with his grandson. A short time prior to this, Tommy was searching near one of Brooks' properties. Tommy was killed by Nick Houck in retaliation for trespassing onto a property that was most likely used to hide Crystal's body or evidence of her murder before it could be destroyed. Nick parked his car on the Bluegrass Parkway behind Tommy's son's house and shot him from the woods between the Bluegrass Parkway and the clearing where Tommy was when he was shot. He then got back into his car and fled the scene. I personally went and searched the area where Tommy was shot and found the tree Nick used to stabilize his shot and saw the marks left behind by the gunpowder and recoil. Several of Brooks' properties were and are being used to hide and move drugs as well as evidence of his and his brother's crimes. Nick and Brooks, along with their mother, have verbally as well as physically threatened the family of Crystal Rogers and those volunteering in the search for her, including my own immediate family. I moved out of Bardstown over a year ago when I realized I was in the crosshairs of Nick, unbeknownst to him or me. 
I was mistaken for someone else who he had threatened, and if he had decided to kill that person, he could have easily mistaken me for them and killed me instead, hence the throwaway account. I can, I'm connected to an individual that investigated these crimes, who relayed most of this information to me, and have personally heard many of the witness accounts of a lot of this information I've posted. Take what you want from that. We'll get into it more in the speculation theories part of the episode. So on April 21, 2014, Kathy Netherland, 48, and her daughter Samantha, 16, were found dead in their home. They were beaten and had their throats slit. Seemingly no connection to Rogers, Ballard, or Ellis, but in Bardstown, Kentucky, there's only 13,000 people, and it seems a little bit small to have four unsolved murders and one unsolved disappearance in just four years. So a lot of people think they could all be connected, although I don't know why Kathy and Samantha would be connected to the other three. Let's now jump into Crystal's case. So on July 3rd at 4.30 p.m., Crystal was seen on camera at Walmart, and it looks like she was with some of her kids. At 7 p.m., Brooks said they went to the farm, fed cows, and had a fire, then came home at 11.55 p.m. A lot of people find an issue with this because it was kind of a rainy night, and that's pretty late, and they had their two-year-old son with them. So why would you be walking around outside with your two-year-old son in the middle of the night, in the rain? Doesn't make a ton of sense. It is stated that late on July 3rd when they got home, Crystal was allegedly last seen playing games on her phone with her son staying up with her. Once again, it's after midnight at this point, this two-year-old is still up with her. But it is, it's interesting. This sighting, though, was by Brooks. Brooks said he went straight to bed when they got home. And then he says the next morning he woke up in between 6 and 7 and Eli was in bed with him. Eli is their son. I don't know if I mentioned that. He was in bed with Brooks and Crystal was nowhere to be found. So on to July 4th, Crystal's nowhere to be found. Brooks said she often stayed at friends' houses so it wasn't weird. But he also said they weren't fighting. And Brooks specifically stated that a certain friend, I believe her name was Sabrina, was the house that Crystal probably went to, and he said, you know, she goes to Sabrina's all the time, it's not weird, but it turns out that, well, Sabrina is her cousin, actually, and said that in the few years of Brooks and Crystal dating, Crystal had only come to Sabrina's house twice when her and Brooks were fighting. One time it was for about an hour, one time it was for about two hours. It was never staying the night, and it was only when they were fighting. And Brooks stated they were not fighting this night. It also seems kind of odd that she would leave her five children with Brooks just randomly in the middle of the night, especially when it is alleged that he only treated his biological one nicely, and the other ones he wasn't super fond of. So July 4th, some places say July 5th, Crystal's mom couldn't get a hold of her, so 
she ended up reporting her missing. Shortly after her mom reports her missing, Crystal's car is found near mile marker 14 on the Bluegrass Parkway. We're talking a lot about the Bluegrass Parkway. I'm assuming it's just the biggest road that goes through Bardstown, Kentucky. But anyways, it's found with a flat tire and her keys still in the ignition, her phone and her purse still inside. Some places say some of her belongings were found around the car, not only inside, but I couldn't get a clear picture on what was in the car versus what was outside. Her seat, the driver's seat, was pushed pretty far back with the back of the seat straight up. Everyone who knew her said she always had the seat close to the front of the car with the back of the seat leaning far back. So her car driver's seat was found pretty much completely the opposite of how everyone said she always kept it. I don't know if it was the same day or a few days after, but pretty soon after the car was found, it was returned to her family in the very same condition it was found in. It looked like nothing, no evidence had been taken. All the trash, all her belongings were still inside. It also seems like there was no fingerprinting done because there wasn't the debris that is normally left, and it doesn't seem like any luminol was sprayed around to see if there was any blood in the car. I did learn that in Kentucky you only get to send 10 pieces of evidence per case. I don't know if that is still a thing, but at the time of her disappearance it apparently was, and that is because they were so short-staffed that they could not process all these pieces of evidence. So per case, it would be 10 pieces, but it really doesn't seem like even that much was taken. So now we skip to July 8th of 2015, and Brooks, Crystal's boyfriend at the time, has his police interview. Now here's a little bit more on Brooks Hauk. He was Crystal's boyfriend and is the main suspect in her disappearance. He is a businessman. He owns slash owned many properties around the Bardstown area. And there was a few articles stating he sold a bunch of them, which is why I say owned, but I believe he still owns some. He also owns a construction company, both of which would make it easier to hide a body or hide evidence. Once again, he hasn't been found guilty but just saying it would make it a lot easier. He treated Crystal's other four children far different than their one together. One of the pieces of evidence towards this is people say he would only pay for their son's food and Crystal would have to buy food for the other four, which is kind of odd that you would even think to split them up. I mean, if you are consciously dating someone with other kids, I mean, you know you're going to have some sort of a relationship with those kids. You're probably going to share food with them. It just doesn't make much sense. Brooke's brother, Nick, was in the Bardstown PD and got fired not long after Crystal went missing. But we'll get more into that later as well. So back to Brooks's interview. There is a video of this interview, which it is quite long, but... If you're interested in the case, I do suggest watching it because it's very odd. So towards the end of the interview, Nick, 
the police officer brother of Brooks, calls him. Brooks answers because the detective tells him, yeah, sure, you can answer. I mean, he's not being held there. He's just there for an interview. So Brooks answers and tells Nick he's in an interview. Nick tells him he needs to leave. Brooks voices how he's innocent and has done nothing wrong. Brooks keeps saying he will get up and leave if that's what Nick wants, but he hasn't done anything. And the way they talk, well, the way Brooks talks, you can't hear Nick, but the way he talks kind of seems as if this phone call was planned to make Brooks look better. At one point, Brooks even starts talking like Nick is giving him a theory on what happened to Crystal, and he says something about how, no, she didn't run off with another guy, you can never convince me of that, blah blah blah, I'm innocent. So it kind of seems like they did that so that he could say how innocent he is. It's natural to focus on the future, but have you considered the future of your vision? Hi, I'm Dr. Litzinger from Revision Lasik and Cataract Surgery. People in their 40s and 50s have an opportunity to choose a vision correction procedure to enhance eyesight, increase freedom from glasses, and eliminate the possibility of a cataract forming later in life. It's called a refractive lens exchange, and I'm excited to tell you more about it. Go to revisioneyes.com. Multiple times while the cop was in the room. July 9th, 2015. The day after Brooks' interview, he does a Nancy Grace interview. And at this point, the family feels that Brooks isn't taking the disappearance seriously. In a documentary on Crystal's case, her mother even says, like, the day Crystal went missing, Brooks drove up to their house and she asked him, like, hey, have you seen Crystal? And he was like, no, just, like, really nonchalant about it. And then he drove away. So it seems that from the beginning, he might not have been taking things seriously, but people also deal with things in different ways. So this is all opinions. Um, in this Nancy Grace interview, he admits their relationship was stressed, but still holds that he is innocent. On July 15th of 2015, Brooks' brother Nick has a police interview with the Kentucky State Police. Just nine days later, on July 24th, Nick fails a polygraph about the case. On July 29th, 2015, police search several lakes around the area, but nothing is found relating to Crystal's disappearance. On August 1st of 2015, vigils and fundraisers start, and the money goes towards rewards and also trust funds for Crystal's children. On September 9th of 2015, Nick Hoke is placed on suspension with the Bardstown Police Department. Then you skip to October 16th, 2015, and Nick is fired. He was accused of interfering with the investigation into Crystal's disappearance, which seems pretty obvious because he called in the middle of an interview and told Brooks to get out of there even though Nick was a police officer, he should be wanting to help. And if they're both innocent, why not help with Crystal's disappearance? Brooks is also named as a suspect on the same day, and Crystal is said to be presumed dead. 
On December 16th of 2015, Danny Singleton, Brooks' right-hand man and employee, is charged with 38 counts of lying under oath throughout the investigation of Crystal Rogers' disappearance. He did end up pleading guilty and serving some time in jail, but it was only about six months. I couldn't find anything stating exactly what he lied about, but it's very interesting that he lied about so much and admitted he lied about so much in the case. On June 1st of 2016, almost a year after Crystal disappeared, Brooks's 82-year-old grandmother, Anna Whiteside, was subpoenaed to testify, but pleaded the fifth on all counts. Police believed a car she owned could have been used to transport Crystal's body. The car was seen parked oddly on the family farm the night Crystal went missing, and was sold shortly after Crystal went missing. On August 30th of 2016, the Houck family farm is searched and another piece of property is searched, but the articles didn't really state exactly what it was, but it was belonging to the Houck family. On November 19th, 2016, Tommy Ballard was shot in the back and killed. It is presumed a homicide, In the months before he was killed, he believed he was being stalked. It's never said who he believed he was being stalked by, but you can use, you can just infer here. Kind of obvious. July 25th, 2017, Brooke's grandmother's home was searched. In videos and pictures, it looks like evidence was taken, but police would not elaborate on what if anything, was taken from the home in connection to Crystal's disappearance. In July 2020, there was possible human remains found near Nelson and Washington County Line, which is near Bardstown, Kentucky. But these possible human remains did not belong to Crystal Rogers. I believe they belonged to another woman, but I didn't really look into that that much. August 6, 2020, the FBI takes over and they start a search of Brooks' home. August 14, 2020, exactly two years ago from today, FBI has new interest area near Poplar Flats Road and Farmway Drive in Bardstown. August 24, 2021, FBI states they are doing several searches in a Bardstown subdivision where Hauk owns homes. That's as far as the online timelines go, but obviously the FBI is still working this case, and they have said they believe it will be solved, and they believe they will find Crystal or her remains, which at this point it's presumed she's dead, so it would be her remains. But the FBI is pretty confident about this in their interviews and stories and stuff. So I believe they have a lot more evidence than they are giving us, which is generally the case. It just, they might not have enough to convict someone yet, or they might want to find the body or the remains first so that it is essentially a foolproof trial. So that's the end of the timeline. But before we get into theories, let's talk about a few of the inconsistencies in the case. 
A few days before Crystal went missing, she told her sister that she was planning on leaving Brooks. Apparently, she had gotten a new job. She started saving money. She had a whole plan on leaving Brooks. And only her sister knew about this, I guess. But it just, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that she had to have a plan to leave him because that definitely makes it sound like there was some kind of domestic violence or abuse going on. Once again, that's alleged. It's just my opinion. But generally, when you have to plan to leave someone, there's something else going on. Crystal also told a friend she had an envelope with info in it in case something ever happened to her. And this was kind of wrapped into a conversation about her dating Brooks, which is also highly suspicious. But this envelope has never been found. On July 3rd, Brooks allegedly sent a text saying, quote, We got a babysitter for the evening. It's our first night being kid-free for a while, so we don't want to. We're kid-free. We're going to enjoy ourselves, end quote. Just kind of oddly worded, and I'm not sure it really goes along with his initial timeline, because we'll get into his initial timeline, and it's obviously, it's just, it's obvious that they had their two-year-old son with them the whole night. So I don't understand that text, unless they didn't have the baby the whole night, and his timeline's messed up, it just doesn't add up. And a lot of people point to the part where he says, so we don't want to, but there's no reference to like what they don't want to do. And a lot of people wonder if it is some kind of code or something. I don't know. On July 3rd, a witness saw a bonfire on Houck's property. And this would be the farm that I believe his grandmother owns and his mom lives on. And Nick did not pass his polygraph. He failed. And Brooks's polygraph was inconclusive, which we really can't put a lot of weight on polygraphs because they're not a sound science. So I don't 100% believe them all the time. But when somebody just plain out fails one, it says a lot more than one being inconclusive. Brooks didn't help search after... Crystal disappeared. His or Her family was very clear about that. He did not help search. They found that weird. It is weird. If your significant other is missing, you should be one of the main people out there with their family searching for them. Right after Nick's interview, which I believe was July 15th, 2015, about 12 days after Crystal went missing, both brothers were caught going to the farm together, which is where a lot of people believe Crystal was killed. Maybe some murder evidence is hidden there, maybe her body. So it's kind of telling that they went straight there after his interview. Seems a little suspicious. I'm not sure of the timeline, but eventually Brooks got another girlfriend after Crystal went missing. This girlfriend was arrested for taking down signs about Crystal's disappearance, which is suspicious, and, you know, maybe she could just be a shitty person, but it seems kind of odd. Also, just a weird coincidence, her name was also Crystal. 
investigators allegedly found a blanket with traces of blood in Nick's squad car trunk. The trunk also lit up when luminol was used, which points to blood or at least bodily fluids in that trunk quite a bit. So one theory is that they used his squad car to move the body at some point. Bloodhounds were brought to Crystal's car but did not find her scent, which pretty much means she was not with her purse, keys, and phone. Allegedly, Bloodhounds did follow her scent, the route that Brooks would have taken in his grandma's car, or did take in his grandma's car. The car that was sold right after, the car that the police want to know about more because it was seen at the farm the night Crystal went missing. Nick and Brooks also claimed amnesia about the days around the disappearance, which is pretty much just a cop-out so that they don't have to answer questions. A cadaver dog indicated to Crystal's trunk, and Luminol lit up a spot in the corner of the trunk. But if you believe this part, then you kind of have to not believe the bloodhounds that didn't find her scent there, and it's there's a lot of different things going into it. I don't believe Crystal was at her car, so this luminol could have been something totally different, and the cadaver dog could have been wrong, but they could have used multiple cars to transport her body. I don't know. Contrary to Brooks's story about the night of July 3rd, when he said they went to the farm around 7, and then they came home around 11.55, and it was just him, Crystal, and Eli, cameras show that Brooks's car, followed closely by Nick's car, were going to the farm on July 3rd. And then they are both seen driving back at about 11.20 p.m. So that completely changes the story he originally gave, because obviously his brother Nick was with him. He was not alone with Crystal and Eli, and that could present a whole different scenario. It is also stated that Brooks later said to someone, I'm not sure if it was the police or a friend, or I don't know who it was, but apparently he said Crystal was at a fantasy party late on July 3rd, which goes against the evidence that they were going to the farm and his original story that him and Crystal and Eli went to the farm. So let's move into theories. And these are all theories. No one is guilty yet. Everything is alleged. And the main theory is that Brooks killed her, maybe with the help of his brother Nick. So as I said before, domestic violence could be in play. She said she had a plan to leave him. And Crystal had an envelope of evidence in case anything ever happened to her both of which seem very suspicious and kind of pointing towards her not trusting Brooks, which there would have to be a reason for that. He also admitted their relationship was stressed, and he really seemed to not like her other kids. Theory number two that has to do with Brooks and Nick is that Crystal knew about illegal dealings. And this goes back to the Reddit post about them dealing drugs and smuggling drugs and all of that. 
allegedly they were both in drug crimes and maybe she found out and confronted them or found out about them having something to do with the Jason Ellis killing and confronted them about that and they both killed her which would help the fact that Nick failed his polygraph because then he would have a reason to be involved as well. Another theory that was brought forward was that either Crystal or Brooks was having an affair and the other one found out and confronted the other person on July 3rd. There's a lot of inconsistencies with Brooks' story, Nick failed the polygraph, there's bodily fluids in his trunk, and neither of them helps search. So there's a lot pointing towards how they could be involved, and a lot of people believe that if they are involved, they killed her at the farm or at home and then buried her at the farm on July 3rd, maybe originally buried her and then moved her to a new construction done by Brooks's company because, like I said, it would be incredibly easy to hide a body if you own a construction company, which if you've been keeping up with the... Suzanne Morphew's husband is also a construction company owner, and it is alleged or it was thought that he buried her body in one of the construction zones, so it's not an out-of-the-box thing to think. It is known that Brooks's company was still building multiple homes during the search for Crystal, so that may be why the FBI is searching some of the homes in that one subdivision. Now, another theory that doesn't really make sense is that a stranger took Crystal. This would mean that Crystal did drive her car to where it was found. She got a flat tire. Someone pulled over to quote-unquote help and took her and probably killed her. But the evidence does not add up to this because her scent wasn't at the car and no one saw signs of a struggle and no one saw her on the Bluegrass Parkway where her car was found. The last theory that people bring up is that she left of her own accord. She staged her own disappearance because maybe the kids were too much, maybe it was an abusive relationship and she thought this was the only way to get away, but she's never been cited she brought no money with her, and she loved her children, so there was no evidence of her planning this, and it does not seem like a plausible theory. If I had to pick one, it would probably be that someone close to her um, killed her and covered it up, and it seems like the FBI is fairly close to solving the case, so hopefully they have a lot of evidence of this because they've really only been looking at one person and that is Brooks Hauk. That is all the information I have for the Crystal Rogers case. Once again, if you want to learn more in depth about it, listen to the Bardstown podcast or there is a good documentary called The Disappearance of Crystal Rogers. It's it's actually a docu-series. It's seven, six episodes, six or seven episodes, I believe. And it goes in-depth, and her family's on there talking about the case, and police are on there talking about the case. I know it's on Amazon, or if you have a Peacock subscription, it is on both of those, and it's a pretty good 
documentaries, so I would highly suggest looking into both of those. But once again, we have a Twitter at Great Unsolved, Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod, Facebook page, Facebook group, and we have a Patreon where I put out a monthly bonus episode. So if you want more than four episodes a month, go on there. And if you want to have input on cases I cover, you can go on there as well. All of those links will be in the description of this podcast episode. Thanks for joining me to learn about the Crystal Rogers disappearance and have a great rest of your day. Growing a business brings pressure. It's not easy to maintain momentum and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's Insperity. Their scalable HR solutions help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance while giving my employees competitive benefit options. When my people are able to thrive, my business can adapt and prosper. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. Una de las especies más peculiares del mundo latino es el Padreus protectorus, que vive colgado encima de sus hijos como un koala. Vamos contigo por si le pasa algo a tu auto. Mamá, voy a estar bien. Pero este instinto sobreprotector se está extinguiendo, porque State Farm está ahí las 24 horas y los necesitas. Así que los padres finalmente están soltando a sus hijos a la naturaleza. Nos mandas fotos. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy.